You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. I invite you to take your Bibles as we turn to Holy Scripture uh, this afternoon. First of all, to the Old Testament and to the book of Haggai. And we read Haggai uh, chapter 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build the house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew, and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant, of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the message of the prophet Haggai because the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people, They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. We turn also to the New Testament, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, starting at verse 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not refuse when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we, if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven, 
At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I invite you to take up your Bibles as we hear the Word of God proclaimed to us this afternoon from Haggai chapter 2, the verses 1 through 9. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the Word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, Who of you is left? who saw this house in its former glory, how does it look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, discouragement is a powerful emotion. It is strong enough to slow you down, Sometimes it is strong enough to even paralyze you. And at some point in their life, each and every person discovers the power of discouragement. Most of you have already discovered it. And you understand what I'm talking about. It happens at home in your marriage relationship where discouragement can settle in and keep you from trying to work on your marriage. Discouragement happens in the workplace. And it leaves you unmotivated to work. Discouragement also happens in the church. It happens to church leaders. and It happens to church members. For one reason or another, discouragement sets in and suddenly... One's commitment to the church, one's commitment to its ministry and to its mission begins to sag. You no longer work as hard as you once did in the church, and maybe, just maybe, you've given up altogether. Discouragement is a powerful emotion, and discouragement is the backdrop to Haggai chapter 2, the verses 1 through 9. In Haggai 2, it's both the leaders of the church as well as the members of the church who are discouraged. The reason for that we'll discover shortly. 
But for now, what I want to highlight as we head towards the text is how the Lord responds to the discouragement of his people. When his word comes to them through the prophet Haggai, it is not a word which sympathizes with them. It is not a word which consoles them. It is not a word that gives them, as it were, a hug and say, it's going to be all right. Now, it's a word that inspires them. It's a word that motivates them. It's my hope and prayer that through the Holy Spirit this afternoon, that same word which you're going to hear so many years later will serve to inspire you, will serve to motivate you in the midst of the work of building up the church of Christ in this place. As you participate in the ministry of this church, as you participate in the mission of this church. So I proclaim to you God's word under this theme. The word of the Lord motivates his discouraged church. He motivates them with a command for the present, with a reminder from the past, and with a promise for the future. So we turn to Haggai chapter 2 this afternoon. We have to keep in mind our reading in chapter 1. I've just finished preaching through this book, and it's sometimes hard to jump in and just preach a one-off in another church, but I'm trying to do that this afternoon. So just a little bit of background work before we get to the the verses of our text. So keep in mind chapter 1, which we read together, where we found that the Lord was admonishing the exiles who had returned from Babylon to Jerusalem, to Judah, And the point of admonishment between the Lord and his people was their failure to rebuild his house, the temple, in Jerusalem. When the exiles began arriving in around the year 537 before Christ, they immediately began to get to work clearing away the debris and working on the foundation. You can read about that in Ezra. That that work was very short-lived. A year, maybe two And then 15 years passes where nothing is being done on the house of the Lord. And after 15 years, the Lord sends Haggai, his prophet, to his people to speak to them. And as the Lord speaks in chapter 1, it becomes readily apparent that what is particularly galling to the Lord is that while his house remains in ruins, they've been busy working on their own houses to the point where in chapter 1 he speaks about, you live in paneled houses, my house remains a ruin. And then what the Lord does in chapter 1 is he points out to them that the adversity they've been facing for the last number of years, evident particularly in the crops and the failure of their crops, that adversity is a direct result of their disobedience to him. Their unwillingness, their failure to rebuild his house. And then we got to the end of chapter 1 and we discovered that by the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, The people were all stirred up. The leaders were stirred up. The members were stirred up. And they obeyed the Lord. They responded to his call to give careful thought to their ways. And then we read in the 14th verse of chapter 1. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty their God on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. 24th day, sixth month. Our text begins also by noting the time, 21st day of 7th month. You do the math, I know you can do it, it's less than a month. Between their being stirred up to work on the house of the Lord and what is going to unfold in today's text. And what we're going to discover, as I've already indicated, is that they're discouraged. Less than a month after they've been stirred up by the word of the Lord and by the spirit of the Lord, they are discouraged. 
And you might initially find that surprising until you begin, begin to reflect on your own life and on your own heart. For have you not had a similar experience in your life? You've heard the word of the Lord, maybe on a Sunday service, and you've been stirred up to obedience. You went out Monday, and you obeyed, and you went to work in the service of your God. And by the end of the week, you were despondent, and you were discouraged. It happens. It's not surprising. At least it shouldn't be surprising that in less than a month, these people are discouraged. And the question we need to ask is why? And the Lord gives the answer in verse 3 of our text. And He gives the answer in three questions. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? These are questions for specific members of that church. They're for the very oldest people in the congregation. Now you might wonder what really old people are doing at a work site where the temple needs to be rebuilt. Why is Haggai preaching to these people at the work site? Well, 21st day of the seventh month, if you go back and read the scriptures, you'll discover it's actually a feast day. It's the seventh day of the Feast of Booths. So what you actually have in the providence of God is that all the people have gathered for one of the three annual festivals. And while they're there, the prophet of the Lord is led by the Lord himself to begin to preach. So you've got this remnant of the people, as they're called. They're they're very young, they're very old, and everyone in between, and they've gathered... And it's specifically the elderly people who are questioned. And they're questioned because inevitably it is these oldest people, we're talking late 70s, 80s, 90s. It's inevitably these people who remembered the last temple, Solomon's temple, who are going to begin to compare Solomon's temple with this temple. And this is not just elderly people talking about the good old days of the church. That happens sometimes, right? You look back on the past and you say, church was in a lot better shape in the good old days. But but here's the truth in our text. The church was actually in a lot better shape physically. The building was in a lot better shape in the good old days. When it comes to comparing the present temple, which is but ruins, and the, the glorious temple of Solomon that was, things really were far better in the past than they are in the present. And here's the problem. These are exiles or impoverished people. They're poor people. They've had years of crop failure. They're not doing well. And they have to rebuild Solomon's temple. And it's just discouraging. The elderly people are there going, it can't be done. We don't have the resources to do this. We don't have the material resources. We don't have the human resources. That's why already when the foundation was laid 16 years earlier, Ezra chapter 3 verse 12, you can read that the old people were crying. Young people were all excited. The house of the Lord was going to get rebuilt. didn't last, but they were excited for a day. The old people that day were crying. And now some of these same people are back. Now they're really old because it's 15 years later. And they're looking at this set of ruins and they're going, it's never going to be like Solomon's. Never. 
In the eyes of these people, in the word of the Lord, it seems like nothing at all, this temple. And you got to imagine how disheartening this was for the rest of God's people. When the old people go, forget it. We're never, ever going to be able to pull this off. Then the young people are like, oh. Because it's true. They didn't have the resources that Solomon did. They didn't have the silver. They didn't have the gold. They didn't have the timbers. They didn't have the, the, the specialized masons and builders. It just, it was discouraging. They're demoralized. Yes, three weeks earlier, four weeks earlier, they'd been inspired, but, but now their shoulders are sagging and their hands are drooping and there's not much commitment left to the project. Lord comes to the leaders, to the remnant of the people, and having asked these questions, which highlights the reason for their discouragement, he says to them, but now, but now be strong. That's the command for the present. But now be strong. And I want you to notice in the text how he repeats it three times. He says it to Zerubbabel, the governor. Then he says it to Joshua, the high priest. Then he says it to the people of the land. I looked at that and I got this picture in my mind of a coach with his team of players. He's grabbing each player on the team by the shoulders. He's looking them right in the eye. And he's saying to them, be strong. That's what the Lord's doing here. He's, he's being the coach who grabs the player. And the first player he grabs is, are the two captains. That's Joshua and Zerubbabel. He grabs them because they're the leaders of the church. And he says, you need to be strong. And then he grabs all the people. And he says to each of them, he says, you need to be strong. And there's a whole bunch of word that comes in between. So you may not realize that the command is not just be strong. The command is be strong and work. He's saying, be strong, and now get back out there and finish this thing. They need to focus on the task at hand. They need to focus on rebuilding the house of the Lord. And their discouragement's getting in the way of the project. Their despondency is getting in the way of the project. It's causing them to slacken off. And the Lord's saying to his people, don't do that. Don't slack off. Now, be strong, get back out there, and go to work. But how can they do that? I hope that question is in your head. I mean, it's one thing for, for, you know, the coach to come along and say, be strong and go to work, get back out there. And they're like, but nothing's changed. I mean, it's a good pep talk, but nothing's changed. They, they don't have the silver, they don't have the gold, they don't have the, the people. So yeah, be strong and go to work, but Wherein lies the motivation to be strong? Wherein lies the motivation to go to work? It's in verse 4, beloved. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. And if you, and if you start paying attention, little kids like to count words maybe in, in text. You can go count Lord Almighty up in the text of this afternoon. There's a drumbeat pounding through our text, and the drumbeat is Lord Almighty. And that means... All-powerful God. All-powerful God. All-powerful God. I am with you, and I'm the all-powerful God. The one whose power is limitless, the one whose resources are endless, I'm with you now. Be strong and go to work. Do you see what's happening? Rebuilding the temple isn't about what the people have in terms of resources. It isn't about what the people have in terms of power. 
It's all about what the Lord has in terms of power, and it's all about the, what the Lord has in terms of resources. These people are looking at this project with their physical eyes, and they're going, it's impossible, and it'll never look like Solomon's. And the Lord says, you need to start looking at this project with a whole new set of eyes. You need to look at this project with the eyes of faith. You don't have the resources, says the Lord Almighty. But I have the resources. And here's the best part. I am with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. So be strong and go to work. We need to pause here, beloved, and begin to address the discouragement that can arise in the church today. Which is, says the scripture, the temple of God. And maybe you're a member of this local church. And you look at this church and you've found reasons to be discouraged in this church. You could be an elder in this church. and You're discouraged by the lack of results in the lives of some of your sheep. You're a member of this church and, and you're discouraged. You work hard to see this church fulfill its, its mission, its calling, to preach, to teach, to baptize. You're discouraged by the lack of interest that some of your fellow members seem to be showing to the, to the commission of the church. Maybe you are an older member. That means you tend to look beyond the local church. With wisdom, you you begin to see that the church concerns you at its greater levels. You look to the Canadian Reformed churches, and you're discouraged. And you sit there and you say, you know, people don't seem as committed as they once were. Not like when we were young. The prosperity that our younger members seem to be enjoying or at least pursuing, that seems to have thrown them off the work of the church. Or maybe you're a younger member and you're discouraged because you look around and it seems nothing ever changes. The older people are always keeping things the same. Maybe you're someone who looks beyond even the Canadian Reformed Church. You're just looking at the church Catholic as it exists all over the world and And you see what we're going to sing about later this afternoon by heresies rent asunder by schisms distressed or the other way around. You, you long for revival. You long for reformation. And you are finding yourself comparing the church to earlier eras and you're discouraged. I think I've just touched the tip of the discouragement iceberg that can float into the church. Whatever your discouragement, the Lord comes to you this afternoon with a command for the present, and his command is be strong and work. Be strong and work. And the motivation for that does not come from what you can see. The motivation for that does not come from what you can do. No, the inspiration for that comes from the one who says, I am with you. Lord Sabaoth, his name. Sabaoth is just the translation of Almighty from the Hebrew. Lord Sabaoth, his name, from age to age the same. He is with you and he can and he will continue to build his church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against her. So in that, be strong and go to work. That's the command for the present that motivates the church. Now we shall see in the second place that the Lord motivates his church with a reminder from the past. Verse 5. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt. 
and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. The Lord has just said, I am with you. Why is he with them? Why does he hang in there with these people who one week are stirred up to obey and a few weeks later they're discouraged and despondent? Why is he with them? It's not because of them, it's because of him. It's because he is a faithful covenant Lord. It's because of the covenant he made with them when they came out of Egypt. Here the Lord gives his church a reminder from the past that's intended to motivate them in the present. He talks about something that happened a long time ago. A covenant made with Israel when they came out of Egypt. That brings us to the book of Exodus for a moment. Particularly the chapters 33 and 34. And I think of what the Lord says to Moses in Exodus 33 verse 14. The Lord replied to Moses, my presence will go with you. My presence will go with you. And then there's that that wonderful interchange between God and Moses and the Lord appears to Moses and shows him his glory. And then you go all the way to chapter 34, verse 10, and the Lord says, I am making a covenant with you before all your people. I will do wonders never before done in any nation in all the world. The people you live among will see how awesome is the work that I, the Lord, will do for you. When the Lord made a covenant with his people as they came out of Egypt, he said, I'm going to do stuff that is amazing. You're going to be talking about it. The people around you are going to be talking about it. I'm going to do awesome things by my power. And he's referring to the fact that he is going to take these people and he's going to lead them through the midst of all their enemies into the land he has promised them and he's going to take care of those enemies as well. As you read scripture, you discover that this is the work of the Spirit of God. And that's why the Spirit of God is referenced in verse 5. The Spirit of God is the powerful presence of the Lord among His people. Isaiah 63, the Spirit of God is associated with the right arm of Moses and the glorious power of the Lord. It's the Spirit of God that defeats all the enemies and brings the people into the land of Canaan. And now, hundreds and hundreds of years later, these same people are in this land and they're facing discouragement. And the Lord gives them this reminder from the past. And he says, I'm a covenant-keeping God. I'm faithful to my promises in every generation. I'm not the God who did awesome things a long time ago. I'm the God who does awesome things today. I'm not just a God of the past that you can talk about wistfully. Remember when? No, I'm a God also of the present. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. My spirit, verse 5, remains among you. Do not fear. They needed to be reminded that the Holy Spirit hadn't left. God hadn't left His people. That's what they forgot as they were working on the house. They'd forgot that God was with them. And they became discouraged and they became afraid. Therefore, do not fear. They need to be strong and work, trusting in the covenant faithfulness of their God. Beloved, we pause here again for just a moment to reflect on how the Lord motivates His church today. And He motivates His church today with a reminder from the past. Isn't that what we did this morning? We were reminded of the past. 
We weren't reminded of Sinai and what the Lord did at Sinai. We were reminded of Golgotha and what the Lord did at Golgotha. We weren't reminded of the old covenant he established. We were reminded of the new covenant he established in the sprinkled blood of Jesus Christ, the mediator of the new covenant, a blood which speaks a far better word than the blood of Abel. Blood which was sprinkled this afternoon upon Tanner Luton. In establishing that new covenant with us, the Lord Jesus has said to us, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I have been given, Matthew 28, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And then comes the command, very similar to the one of our text. And now be strong and go to work and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then together the Father and the Son poured out the Holy Spirit upon the church so that by the power of the Spirit of God, the temple of God might be built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. Beloved, you may face discouragement in fulfilling this commission to baptize and to teach and to build. And as you face discouragement, you need to listen to the word of the Lord. You need to hear the reminder, I made a covenant with you in the blood of my Son, Jesus Christ. And I have poured out my Holy Spirit upon you. And working on my temple is not about your might, and it's not about your power. It's not about your resources and participating in the life of the church and fulfilling the mission of the church. It's not about you and what you have. It's about Him and what He has and His Spirit who was and who even now continues to be among His people. So, do not fear. For the triune God is with you. And He will ensure His temple is going to be finished. And when it's finished, it's going to be glorious beyond compare. And that brings us to our final point. He motivates His church with a promise for the future. We've come to verses 6 And seven, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations will come and I will fill his house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. This is the picture of the Lord shaking the unshakable and it's taken from the past. It's taken from the moment when he descended from Mount Sinai after he had made covenant with his people. After he made covenant, he descended that mountain as their almighty, as their warrior, and he went on ahead of them by his power. Deborah sings of this moment in Judges 5. O Lord, when you went out from Seir, when you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook, the heavens poured, the clouds poured down water, the mountains quaked before the Lord, the God of Sinai, the God of Israel. We're going to sing from Psalm 68 in a few moments, and we're going to sing the very same picture. The Lord going before His people, thundering, quaking, shaking, everything. And the Lord says, I'm going to do it once more. What he's saying with that once more is he says to his people, I'm going to once more display my awesome power and might. I'm not just a God of Sinai 
and of your past. I'm a God of your present. And I'm going to display my awesome power and might once again among the nations as I did before. And I'm going to do it so that my house is filled with glory. Look at verse 7. At the end, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. I want you to notice how he speaks of his house. He says, this house. They're standing there. They're looking at his house and they're discouraged. And he says, I'm going to fill this house with glory. Glory doesn't mean his presence. As it so often does in the scriptures. Glory here means the grandeur of gold and of silver. The desired of the nation will come. What's the desire of the nation? It's their desirable things. It's their precious things. It's their treasured things. It's their gold and it's their silver. Think back to why these people are discouraged. They're discouraged because they have no gold and they have no silver. And they've forgotten. Who's got all the silver in the world? And who's got all the gold in the world? It's the Lord Almighty. It's their warrior who shakes the unshakable. And he says, I'm going to do that. I'm going to shake the nations. And they're going to come quaking to bring their gold and their silver. And my temple will be rebuilt. For ultimately, look at verse 8. What does the Lord say? The silver is mine. The gold is mine. It's all mine. It all belongs to me. And the end result... When I'm done shaking and they're done bringing, verse 9, the glory of this present house. This present house, the one that's so discouraging to you, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. And they would have all said it's impossible. There's no way this house is going to be greater than Solomon's house. And the Lord says, I can do it. And you follow the biblical record, and we don't have time this afternoon. If you follow the biblical record, you will find the Lord fulfilled his promise. You can read Ezra 6, you can read Ezra 7, and you will discover that out of the royal treasury of Persia, the temple in Jerusalem was rebuilt. You will discover that the taxation of the nations under Persian rule led to the completion of the temple. And this is but the beginning Because as you may know, in the days of Herod, there was 46 years of temple building work by Herod himself, who wasn't of the people of God, to be sure. He was one of the nations, and the Lord shook him, and he took countless amounts of his money, that is the money of the peoples all around, And he built this temple in Jerusalem so that his glory was greater than the temple of Solomon. It was so beautiful that as Jesus and his disciples were one day looking at it, they said to Jesus, look, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. And Jesus said, not one stone here will be left on another. That glorious temple was utterly destroyed. And yet God is not without a dwelling. For the church is the temple of the living God. And it is glorious because the Holy Spirit dwells in our midst. And when you look at the church and feel discouraged, you need to listen, not just to the command for the present, 
and the reminder from the past, but you need to listen to the promise for the future that you might be motivated to continue to work. For Christ has been pleased to involve his church in the work of building the temple of God and to carry out that work he's given you his spirit and you heard it last Sunday in Zechariah 4. It's not by might and it's not by power. It's by my spirit, says the Lord. Christ, who laid the foundations of this new temple through his death and resurrection, will bring this new temple to completion. By his power and spirit, he will finish the work. And when he does finish the work, he has promised in his word, I'm going to come and I'm going to shake things once more. And that brings us all the way to Hebrews 12 which speaks to the fulfillment of our text of this afternoon and says when that once more shaking has been done, the only thing that's going to be left is what is unshakable, and that is the glorious and everlasting kingdom of our God. And Revelation chapter 21 describes that kingdom as a city that needs no temple because the Lord God Almighty is the temple, and the Lamb is its temple. And that same passage in Revelation 21 says that the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. The desire of the nations is still coming to the house of God. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Not their silver, not their gold, their people, beloved, their people. And when all have been brought in, the Lord will grant peace to his people. And the church will finally be at rest. You may find yourself discouraged today as you look at this church, as you look at the Canadian Reformed churches, as you look at the church Catholic. But be strong and work for your covenant Lord remains in your midst through his Holy Spirit. Be strong and work for the Lord Almighty has made a promise. He has said, I will make sure the work on the church will be carried out until it is completed. Be strong and work as you wait for the consummation of peace forevermore. Be strong and work for soon. Your longing eyes will be blessed. The great church victorious will be the church at rest. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.